0: You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Jesus' gospel was good news to those who were on the margins. The news that power was about to shift, it was not good news to those who had who at that time held the reins of, of power themselves. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 245 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, uh, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is Directed Good News, and our feature text is Matthew 11 5, where uh, Jesus states that good news is proclaimed to the poor. The, The late Peter Gomes, in his book, The Scandalous Gospel of Jesus, on page 31, he writes, good news to some will almost inevitably be bad news to others. And Jesus declared that in, in in the community that he envisioned, um, those made last in, in current social structures would be first. And those presently made first, they would be the ones that would be last. Peter Gomes again comments on this on page 42. He writes, when the gospel says the last will be first and the first will be last, despite the fact that it is counterintuitive to our cultural presuppositions, it is invariably good news to those who are last. And it's." at least problematic news to those who see themselves as first. And over and over again, within the gospel stories, we see good news to some being not so good news for others. In Luke's gospel, the pronouncement of, of blessing on the poor, for example, that was coupled in Luke 6 with a, a woe to those who were rich. And, and this leads me to my my, my point this week. And, and hopefully the title, Directed Good News, will make sense. I believe that Jesus' vision for humanity or for human community, I believe that it is good news for all, but it's not good news to all. In other words, it's good news, but it's not perceived as good news by everyone. Jesus's gospel, it was directed toward those um, at a certain social location. In Luke 4, 18, uh, Jesus's ministry is characterized by the words from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Uh, The gospel it's good news to the poor it's good news to the oppressed it's to those that are uh, it's good news to those that are victims of uh, of mass incarceration for example these these are are they're the people whom our system targets who our system exploits and and forces to the underside of our society um uh, where benefits that the the rest of us take for granted are kept beyond their reach these were the people who perceived Jesus's teachings as as being good news. though if if we follow Jesus's values, they I, I believe they would set us on a path toward a safer, more just, more compassionate world for us all, for everyone. Um, but those in whom those changes sparked fear, especially those in Jesus' audience, they did not perceive Jesus's gospel as good news. Uh, Initially, at all. It it was good news for them, remember. It would have been good news for all. It's a safe, compassionate world for all. Um, They would have been included in that, but they didn't perceive it as good news to them because their position of privilege was being threatened by the 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 liberation that Jesus came uh, to announce a world where we embrace our interconnectedness and and our dependence on on each other on one another um, where we learn to cooperate with each other rather than our our individual evangelist individualist, individualistic uh competition against others it, it's, it's a world that's better I believe for everyone it's a world where folks who who daily face a oppression, they reclaim their own humanity. And also those that are dehumanized by the act of being an oppressor, they find um, in in their removal from power, which initially feels like bad news to them, it's a return to their own humanity too. And and again, good news to some, even though it's good news for all, but it's not good news to all. Um, It's again, good news for them, just not to them. Um, As Gomes said, in his book, again, The Scandalous Gospel of, of, of Jesus, he writes, Thus, in the name of fair mindedness and egalitarianism, the gospel's claim of radical reordering, a redistribution, an exercise in almost Gilbertian topsy turvydom is an offense. As scandal and hardly good news, so today, many sectors of Christianity, I think, have abandoned changing systemic injustice here and now in our world. These Christians sing hymns that that other utter words like or lyrics like "This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through and and their focus, for better or for worse, is not this life, but one that they believe will will come after this one. And for those who who suffer, um, in the present life. These beliefs work, uh, again, I believe as an opiate, and it leaves them passive. But for those who benefit from from their suffering, uh, th- these beliefs can work as a kind of guilt alleviation for them. They, they focus on a gospel that preaches no condemnation or an unconditional love that enables them to, to basically better sleep uh, at night and believe that the gospel— has has little to do with with affecting anything or anything systemically here and now. And this type of christianity it adapts Jesus's teachings to offer um, the hope of a postmortem bliss, as we've often said before, um, and, and wants to offer that hope to as many people as possible, and it makes Jesus's teachings good news to all, and not just merely, as we said earlier, good news for all. And this has produced a myriad of of, of problems, um, and, and in those problems is included uh, allowing us to seem to to follow. A radical Jew like Jesus, while remaining mostly moderate or to remain even in a position of oppression toward others, to oppress others. And this respectable middle it's almost wholly eclipsed the teachings of Jesus. You can attend an entire conference on the gospel today without even hearing the poor mentioned once. And whatever can be said of, of, of that kind of a gospel or that kind of a conference, it's not the same gospel that the Jewish Jesus taught. The, the Jesus of the story, the, the Jesus of the scriptures, the, the poor and that which was good news to the poor were the centerpiece of his teachings. If Jesus were present today, I can't imagine that he could he could give a weekend of teachings on the gospel and never mention the poor even once and 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 is this Jesus the Jesus of this type of Christianity is it even the same Jesus of the stories that we find in in Mark and Matthew and Luke and the bottom line is that the gospel of Jesus it should be good news to the poor. It should be good news to the exploited, to the incarcerated, to the vulnerable, to, to the marginalized, to those that are pushed aside in our society. And, and and someone once warned me, Herb, they said, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. But but social location matters. Jesus came teaching the good news, but, but those benefiting from the social system of his day, they perceived Jesus's teachings not as good news, but as a threat. They began to hate him, to exclude him, to insult him, and to reject him as evil. They labeled him dangerous. So before we write off something as not the gospel because it doesn't seem good news to us, we need to check our social location. Is it good news to those on the margins? If I don't feel that it's good news, is it because it's bringing attention uh, to, to an area where people are being hurt and to which I'd rather turn a blind eye maybe? Or, or who's perceiving the gospel as good news and and who's feeling threatened by it? Those are the questions we need to be wrestling with if we feel like the gospel isn't good news to us. If you're in a position of privilege and, and you aren't perceiving things as good news, well, then you're in the right story. If you in a specific area of your life are marginalized or other, and and you don't feel like what's being said to you is good news, then chances are then um, it's not really the gospel. If you have the same social location of those in the story that perceived Jesus's teachings as good news rather than a threat, and you're not hearing something that sounds good news to you, um, then then there's a chance that it's really not the gospel. Recently, we here at Renewed Heart Ministries, we participated in, in our local annual Race Matter Summit, and you can read all about it it on our news page. Um, I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site. But one of the keynote addresses, Arlie Johnson, he, he remarked how in the 2040s, white Americans will be in the minority here in America. I'm going to put two articles about this in the East Side as well, one from the Baltimore Sun and one from epi.org. You can look at both of those on, on the demographics and how they're, they're shifting here in America. But stop and consider this for a moment. Just this news for a moment is this the fact that white americans will be in the minority is that good news to you or do you feel threatened by it in a, in a different meeting uh, during that same weekend during the same event of, of the race matter summit um Another speaker mentioned that, that that the demographic shift, it could possibly explain why abortion is such a, a trigger issue among white conservatives who are worried about their decreasing white population. And now political conservatism it's been shown to political conservatism has been shown to increase when people are afraid. And also consider that that people genuinely concerned about lowering the number of abortions that 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 could. Take place, um, they, 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 they could lower the number of abortions by simply making birth control widely available, making abortions illegal. It, statistically, it's been proven that doesn't lower the number of abortions that take place. It only makes them more dangerous for vulnerable women. But if your concern is is for the white population, in other words, instead, if your concern is 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 uh, maintaining a certain majority in your population, then birth control. It's not a uh, it's not a viable option. You're not wanting uh, 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 f- fewer unwanted pregnancies. You're wanting more births. That's why you're against abortion. You're, you're and, and and that's why birth control doesn't work because because birth control solves the abortion issue, but it doesn't solve the the dwindling population issue. And and, and this is not to mention that that there's so much inconsistency on this topic. M- many who are pro life, they're also pro war. They're also pro guns. They're also pro capitalism. And the pro- pro-life movement has historically been more concerned with controlling women's sex lives than than preventing unwanted pregnancies. So so why is a demographic shift so threatening? Why why is it threatening to some that that white Americans will be in the minority? Are are white people afraid that that people of color will act the way white people have? And similarly, um, many straight Cisgender folks, so clearly in the majority of our world's population, they are threatened still by those who identify as LGBTQIA. Uh, Queer folks aren't aren't working. They're not. They're not working to take over. Their goal is not world domination where everyone is forced to be like them. They, They simply want a world that's safe for them too. They are in the minority, but but since straight cisgender folks have historically created closets for for LGBTQIA people to hide in, uh, and 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 in those closets they have to pretend like to live like straight cisgender people, then it only makes sense that we who have benefited from the system of fear, um, that that that. It only makes sense that you're afraid that the tables will be turned. If I've learned anything, though, from my time within marginalized communities, it's that that no fear could be more unfounded. And, and to date, the safest I have ever felt when I am among uh, any group is when I'm among my LGBTQ friends that they know firsthand what it's like to be to be ill-treated and to be repressed, and they go to great lengths to ensure that they're not treating others in the same way that they've been treated. And if we look back at the story in Matthew 21, Jesus tells a story about how being taken away, um, power being taken away from those at the center, um, being removed from that center position and that power being given to, to those that are marginalized or excluded. Um, and, And again, the context was within within Jesus's Jewish culture within Judaism in the first century. But, but notice what this story states. And this is Matthew 21. Again, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of justice and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. Then he sent to other servants. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, "This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance." So they took him, threw him out into the vineyard, and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyards com- owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants, who will give his share of the crop, give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you, that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable. They knew that he was talking about them, and they looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because of the people and the people held that he was a prophet. Here Jesus, I believe, is referring once again to power, being taken away from those at the center of, of, of their social structure back then and it's being given back to the people polit- specifically the people um, that those in power had pushed to the edges like like the tax collectors and others who had been labeled um, as sinners but but th- would those on the margins or or those that are disenfranchised would they do a better job than those who had oppressed them and the question could only be answered by time only time could tell if they failed to form a, a justice system society, then eventually power would be wrested from them as well. And that's that's how history goes. But this leads me back to, to my point. Again, Jesus's gospel was good news to those who are on the margins if they were able to to shape a safer more compassionate a just society this would in the long run it would be good news for everyone but nonetheless the the news that power was about to shift it was not good news to those who had ha, um, who at that time held the reins of of, of power themselves and, and to them it was a it was a threat and it, it had to be Jesus had to be removed as it says they looked for a way to arrest him uh, for saying such things. Again, Jesus' good news is directed. I believe it's good news for all, but it's only good news to those that are presently being held down by systemic injustice. Um, Again, Matthew 11, 5, good news is proclaimed to the poor. Heart group application this week. As a group, I want you to create a list of 10 sayings of Jesus that could be directed good news, as we're calling it this week. Things that are good news to uh, certain ones, but not necessarily good news to, to someone else. And we began with one. I'll throw one there for you, so you only have to come up with nine, actually. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. That's something that that's good news to some, but not necessarily good news perceived, not good news to others. Um, discuss how each one of you, number two, how each one of these 10 items makes you feel. Um, are, are, are some of these sayings good news to you? Are, 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 are some of them threatening to you? And, and and analyze why that is. Why do you feel differently towards some sayings than you do others? And what's the correlation between your social location in each of these 10 sayings and your, your feelings towards each of them? And, and what did this exercise, number three, what did this exercise help you understand? understand. What's the the lesson in all of this for you? And and I want you to share that, what what your takeaway is. I want you to share that with your heart group this week as well. Thanks for checking in with us this week. I'm so glad you did. Wherever you may be, keep living in love, keep living in survival and resistance, liberation, transformation. And remember, another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.